Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome, Aging Fearlessly listeners. Today's show, I'm going to share a whole lot about pharmacy and the importance of pharmacy in Australia and just what you can get out of going to your local pharmacy. And I have with me a pharmacist from the Northern Beaches community, and I'm just going to call him Bruce. And Bruce helped me with a chapter of my book, Uh, a couple of years ago when I was writing it, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Karen. Thanks for coming in. Um, There's so many very important things that people really don't know about pharmacies and what your pharmacy has to offer. But let's start with what is a big issue for patients of Australian pharmacies? This is a fairly universal problem, and it might sound a little esoteric, but one of the biggest issues is what we call medication adherence. What do you mean by medication adherence? First, I'll start with a little teaser. Here's a quote from none other than the World Health Organization. And in their opinion, increasing the effectiveness of adherence will probably have a far greater impact on the overall health of the population than any single improvement in a medical field. Now, that's quite tantalising when you think about it. It is. So tell me more about this. Look, put simply, it's a simple case of if you don't take them, they don't work. That would be rendering it down to its basics. And if you skip one or two? Well, that can be a problem. I mean, everybody understands that, you know, if you're given a course of, say, antibiotics, that you should take it, right? Yep. But that's Seven not... days, take the whole lot. Yeah, exactly. You kind of know that. And we think, well, who wouldn't do that? But the stunning thing is that there is something like maybe 50% of people don't take their medication as prescribed. And you say, well, okay, isn't that their problem? But there are a range of consequences if people don't do that. And what are some of those consequences? Well, your doctor thinks you're taking them like he's prescribing them. So there's an extremely good chance that your doctor's going to change your medication in thinking that you're taking it at the prescribed level. And it's quite possible that he could escalate your treatment in a way that's either unnecessary at the very least and possibly dangerous as well. Well, that's something that people don't think about. And the doctor isn't going to phone you up to find out if you're taking it. He's not going to do it. Or she. It, or she, exactly. And, like, you know, people think that, um, you know, like it's all very easy to get down on drug companies. I've done it myself plenty of times, and there's good reason in some instances, but people think that drug companies make up their trial results and make them look better. But one of the reasons why many drugs perform better in trials than they do out in the real world is that in trials you've got someone standing over your shoulder ensuring that you take it as prescribed. Absolutely. A perfect example would be, possibly not the demographic of this show, but the oral contraceptive is a perfect example. In laboratory trials, it's something like 99% effective. If you give it to real women, women leading real lives in the community with real pressures and kids to get to school and hangovers, it drops to about 90%. Ah, so when they say so many percent, 
safe, it's usually to do with people missing it, maybe? Well, there are a number of reasons why people don't take their meds. Sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's unintentional. So, And there's two aspects to that. There's the there's a cost to themselves and then there's a cost to the fact that, you know, we have a slightly socialised, publicly funded medication system. Professor Leon Simmons, who some of your listeners might know is um, from Sydney, has done some amazing research. He did it in 1999 and repeated it later and the results were essentially the same. He followed over 400,000 people who took statins. Those are the drugs that lower cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And we know the benefits of these things. Mm -hmm. And he followed them up at six months to see how many people were still taking them and how many people had stopped. Now, 30%, I'll give you the short version, 30% had stopped. Yeah. It's pretty scary, isn't it? It's very scary. Now, just think of the cost 30% 30% of 420,000, about 130,000 people. So pretty much looking at the average cost of a statin for yep. a month, it's roughly $5 million that the government and you, the taxpayers, have forked out for that person to take it for a month. But I know, and the medical profession knows, that you don't measure the benefits of statins in days or weeks. You measure the benefits in years, and it assumes that they keep taking them. It's events that you prevent. Yeah, well, look, that all makes sense and I've not ever thought of it in terms of, you know, the cost to, you know, of people not taking it. And and it's not just the cost to their, their health, health risk, as you're saying, it's the, the cost to our purses. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you take a drug that's intended to have a benefit over 10 or 20 years, you know, for your quality of life, okay, it's a disaster to you if you then have a heart attack you weren't going to have. But, you know, you've, you've basically wasted somebody else's money by taking it and then stopping because you've taken it. And you've gone to the trouble of taking it yourself, but you haven't got the benefit that accrues down the track. That is all fantastic information and that we need to, you know, heed this information. I mean, I know I only take one or two, you know, medications and I actually pack them myself into the little, you know, weekly pack box because then... I know like one pack of things I take has the day on it and the other doesn't. And I used to sit them side by side so I knew what day it was. But then I thought, you know, this is ridiculous because even if I'm going away for a week or for work for a while, I have to pick up two boxes. So before I go, I pop out seven of each, put them in, and then I know when I get up in the morning, right, I haven't taken that, take it. It works for me. And we'll go back to that later because... We're going to talk more about those sort of dose administration things later on. Is that correct? I certainly hope so. Yeah. So you chose some songs for me today and bow your head. Ah, yeah. Look, I blame ABBA for my affection for Scandinavian female songwriters. But Um, I I chose a song because it's stirring. I thought I'd introduce songs that people possibly hadn't heard but were really worthy of a listen. And this is from a woman called Anna Turnheim. She's Swedish, she writes and performs in English, and it's just the most beautiful song. Bow your head. Welcome back. You're listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen on 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. I'm speaking with Bruce, who's a pharmacist on the Northern Beaches, and we were just talking about medication adherence and just how important that is to 
both the individual taking medication and to the hip pocket of that person and to the government. But how can a pharmacist help, Bruce? Look, in a number of ways. I mean, you have to first understand there's a couple of reasons why people may fail to take medication as prescribed. So, I mean, in some cases it's sort of intentional. You know, they go to the doctor because they think they should or they have particular beliefs or they might have a certain attitude or they could just be ignorant about the medical consequences. Now, by speak, just by speaking to your pharmacist and asking, you know, the simple question... Um, why did the doctor tell you to take it? How did he tell you to take it? What did he tell you it's for? Can start a conversation going that can alleviate a lot of fears and concerns mm -hmm. and can get the optimum way to take it. I mean, some people unintentionally, of course, fail to take it because they either don't understand what they're meant to do or they're just forgetful. Yeah, so being forgetful, how do, how do we solve that forgetfulness? Well, you could ring them up every day and say, have you taken your tablets? Which is That's what, not going to happen. No, it did for my father with dementia, but no, for most people it's not going to. So there are certain strategies we can use, and, and you alluded to one earlier. Um, th there's a service that most pharmacies, well, I'd say just about all of them provide, where they will actually take your medication, especially when it's fairly complicated, and pack it for you in a, in a daily or a weekly what's called dose administration aid. So, it, you know, people are probably familiar with the little plastic things that you pop open, but they'll put it in a blister pack, mm -hmm. just like you get your tablets out of a box, except that it will contain your mornings or afternoons or evenings, your day's medication for either a, for a week or several weeks at a time, so that people can just pick it up, look at it and say, it's Tuesday, it's lunchtime, this must be the one. And, and if you're institutionalised, of course, you know, the nurse who's looking after you or your carer doesn't have to concern themselves with what you're supposed to be taking. They just pop that dose out. And the thing is, this we're not talking about people that are, you know, 50, 60, 70, even 80. We're talking about everybody in general because if you were taking a lot of medications and you were in your 30s, say, yep. it's much easier if they're in a dose administration aid to help you so that you're not having to think Absolutely. I mean, if you, once you've got a bunch of tablets, you know, can you tell if you put six in or eight in or seven or do you remember to break it in half or what you do? It's done there for you, thinking eliminated. And some of them look so alike, don't they? Oh, yeah. The, the, the pharmacists love it when someone comes in. Can I have my tablet, please? Yeah, which one? Oh, the little white one. Mm, and not a lot of people will know that tablets are all scored differently and they are indeed they're different shapes and they've just got little identifications around yep. them that the pharmacist gets to know yep um yeah and we've got a pretty good database of those things as well now i've got um in front of me dmrs what are dmrs okay well now this is a a fairly sophisticated service if the government sees the sense in funding something you know it must be good because they're notoriously tight-fisted. It stands for Domiciliary Medication Review. And ph particular pharmacists who have got a little bit of extra training, but you can always find one, will, on referral from a GP, come to your home, sit down with either you or perhaps your aged parents or whoever needs it, and act as a liaison and a centre point for coordinate analysing what you're taking because think of it, you go to one GP, you might go to a second GP, you possibly have a specialist and you might have a dentist and all mm -hmm. of these people 
everybody thinks they know what you're doing. And then your pharmacy thinks, you know, you're taking what they're giving you on the doctor's orders. And meanwhile, somebody's doing some of it, not doing others of it. They've got their old box from last year. They've got the green one, which looks like the blue one. They've got the things they bought from the health food store. It's confusing, huh? Yep. And Auntie said, I should take this because it was good for her joints. And someone else, I found this down the back and it says for nausea. Somebody sits down and basically they walk in and they say, empty your cupboards. Bring out everything you take. And they've got a... So your pharmacy... Even if the even if the pharmacist doing this review for you isn't from your regular pharmacy, they will have spoken to them and got a medication list. They will have spoken to your GP who ordered it, and they will sit down, look at what you're doing, and use their expertise to come up with possibly an improvement, which they will then make as a suggestion back to your GP, and it can be a revelation. I remember one of my neighbours who was you know, well over 80 when I moved into where I live now. And she was a wonderful woman and she had some issues with balance and all other sorts of things that happen to people when they're older. But she used to take a lot of Chinese medications. And I said, did your doctor actually know that you're taking... No, why would they need to know? And I said, because it might be interfering with what you actually need to take via what the doctor's telling you. This, this, is all, this is the issue, and it, it could be Chinese medicine, it could be something from the naturopath, it could be, as I said, something from the woman next door. And this is the problem, that everybody assumes that you're doing what they think you're doing. And everybody doing. else thinks that they're an expert telling you what to do. Oh, yes. You know, rule number one, don't take medicine that isn't prescribed for you. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, another song that you chose... Bohemian Like You? Oh, yeah. Look, I thought, look, I've chosen songs that I really like. And I thought after listening to me for 10 minutes, somebody just might feel like leaping out of their chair and jumping around a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, let's jump out of our chairs and leap around a bit. A Bohemian Like You. Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station, You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. So I have Bruce with me today. He's a pharmacist and we're talking about all things you needed to know about pharmacies. So we've been talking about medication adherence. We've been talking about DMRs, which is where pharmacist comes in and to your home and looks at medication. It's a review that they can do to make sure that you're adhering to your medication. So Bruce, how can a pharmacy help me to know more about my health? Well, look, a number of pharmacies will do pretty much a generalised lifestyle check for you. It's a bit like a pink slip for your bod, really. Oh, I like that. A pink slip for your bod. Not a satin one. It's more oh. like the one you get for your car. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I meant. Mm. You know, pink. That's the only yeah. pink slip I thought of. What other pink slip would I have thought of? Not satin. Not satin, no. But that's my mind, not yours. Exactly. And static electricity is a terrible thing. <laughs> oh, God, let's not go there. Yeah. They, they will look at... at they, they will look, talk to you and check. They will actually connect you do the tests in store. They will look at your cholesterol level. They will check for anemia. They can check your blood pressure, of course. They will consult on the, the very delicate topic of your BMI, you know, which involves the, your body mass index. I was going to say, 
some people might not be familiar with that jargon of BMI. So please explain. Well, yeah, your body mass index is basically just you know, are you tall enough for your weight? Pretty much. It's a good indication of whether you're overweight or not. So as I'm shrinking as I get older, my BMI changes. Mm, it Scary does. thought. But, yep. but if you swim to Shelley Beach and back each day, you lose a bit of fat and it'll improve. Yeah. Okay. Great uh, suggestion there. So let's go on to other things that the pharmacist can help with. Well, look, again, one of the things that if you talk to them, they can give you a lot of good advice on is another huge problem for the over 50s, and that's osteoporosis. Well, we hear a lot about it. And osteoporosis, I'm sure most people know what it is, but just please explain. Look, put simply, it's when your bones are a bit too thin, they're fragile. You know, if you're not doing the right thing, if you're not getting the right amount of calcium, which is the major constituent, your body will rob your bones to keep everything else working and it's one of those things it seems like it's fine until it isn't i didn't realize that it's your body robbing your bones oh yeah exactly your body needs calcium in various places and it's it's like having a bank account you know the, you, you, the biggest store of calcium in your body is your skeleton so if it needs it for something else which it does and it's not available in your diet, it will take it from your bones. Is osteoporosis a female condition? Yes, and also a male condition. Roughly 25% of osteoporosis sufferers are male. Is that true? That indeed it is. Um, they're a forgotten minority, but you know any advice that we give applies equally to both genders. People forget, you know, everybody thinks, that, oh, you know, everybody goes sweetly along in life and then women hit the menopause and it's all a grinding halt but in truth you know your hormone levels are dropping from your mid-20s mm -hmm. and it's just more dramatic for women you know men's testosterone levels fall off a cliff at about 55 whereas women can start the menopause and the accelerated bone loss much much earlier so the dietary recommendations for example which your pharmacist can tell you about are slightly different for men and for women at different ages you know, any any adult should be getting about a gram, that's a thousand milligrams of calcium a day. Men over fifty, thousand milligrams per day, women over fifty, thirteen hundred. But as soon as men hit seventy, their requirements for calcium in their diet from one source or another are exactly the same as a woman's. Well, I'm not going to ask you about sources in diet for calcium yep. because that's something I would talk to a nutritionist or yep. a dietitian about. I mean, I'm sure you know as well, mm. but there's other things within pharmacy that can help with boosting their calcium levels. Absolutely. So what your pharmacist can tell you about is vitamin D. Not only vitamin D, because you need vitamin D for your calcium to be used. So they can... And, you know, hopefully your doctor will be supervising this, of course, but depending on your blood test results, they can suggest an appropriate dose. We should all be getting vitamin D, you know. If you want a, a good source of information on this, you can go to uh, the website, and this is one word, knowyourbones.org. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that is indeed. Know it's, your bones. Yeah, know your bones. It's a, it's a great source of information for a bit of background. Um, they, they can tell you, you know, it, it can fill in a lot of gaps in your knowledge and give you a good starting place. And of course, the other thing that a pharmacist can do is because we know the benefits of prevention of the consequences of osteoporosis, it's making sure that you understand not only what the medication you may be prescribed is for, but how to take it appropriately, because it's very easy to get wrong. Yeah, they're all just such great points that you're raising 
What about embarrassing things that people or things that people may find embarrassing to come in and speak to their pharmacist about? Well, you're talking to a male pharmacist with a predominantly female clientele. Dealing with people's embarrassment has been a daily issue, of course. And there's still people who would rather talk to a woman in a pharmacy. Fortunately, it's a highly feminised workforce, so there's always one in an equally paid position, of course, waiting to talk to you. But yes, you're right, there are a number of complaints that you can talk about. What sort of things do they find embarrassing and they want to sort of cower into a corner to discuss look, with you? I, look, I think one of the worst, and especially in our demographic, would be incontinence. Now, I know you had a fabulous bloke on a little while back talking about the, the medical treatment and the causes of incontinence. But, you know, on the coalface, if I may use that word, you've got, you know, the kind of support and aids that you can get. And, you know, let's face it, we're talking absorbency here. We're talking pads and and pants and those kind of things. It's an embarrassing thing to ask for. But, you know, pharmacy staff do this every day, all day. It's and part of their job, isn't it? It's part of their job. You, and, and, you know, from our side of the fence, we often forget how uncomfortable some people are talking about it because to us it's just something we do all day. But, look, there's always a quiet place to discuss it and there's, there's a number of schemes around that can help people that they may not know about. It's interesting when you're in a pharmacy and you know someone that has something that they want to very quietly discuss that usually is embarrassing. It's like, can I have the morning after pill or can, you know, incontinence issues or sexual health issues? If you're a person standing there, it's sort of, you sort of try to slide away to give them that space if there's no counselling area, isn't there? Yeah, that's true. And then with modern pharmacy design these days is trying to get those more discreet areas and in some cases they've got you know completely enclosed absolutely sound proofed rooms you know maxwell smart would would approve entirely of the cone of silence that you can drop when, when you're discussing very personal issues with people now incontinence for women um yes i've talked about with with one of my friends who's a doctor Um, Dr. Ray Hodgson, but what about incontinence for males? Well, it's basically the same. The only thing that's different is sometimes the shape of the the shape of what you're using. You know, it's where it goes and how it fits. One thing I I would like to bring to people's attention is this a a fabulous scheme. It's called the CAPS scheme, and which stands for Continence Aids and my one of my favourite words, payment. Mm -hmm. So the government blessed it. Cotton socks will give you, I think it's roughly $500, to actually pay. They will actually give you the money. They don't give you vouchers. It's not like, you know, the Northern Territories alcohol scheme. They will actually give you money that you can then spend on those aids to lessen the the impost on you. There's a fairly extensive list of qualifying conditions. You do need a referral from your GP because only your GP is qualified to know if you fit. But the list of qualifying conditions is enormous. If you would like to know more, um, again, dial up your favourite browser and go to, and this is all one word, the charmingly named bladderbowel.gov.au. So bladderbowel is one word, .gov.au, and it will explain the, the whole scheme to you and tell you how to get application forms and such. It's a wonderful idea. And if you didn't get that down in writing, you can always go and ask your pharmacist about that as well because they'll be able to tell you they're the experts. Um, what about sexual health and the over 50s? Let's talk about that. Look, Tinder hasn't only revolutionised things for the youngsters. You know, there's an awful lot of people on their, sec- <laughs> on their second or third laps of the pool <laughs> And, and, you know, some things never some things never change and some things have. You know, there's an awful lot of people that, 
you know, look, they've been married for years. They wouldn't, you know, they can't tell the difference between a condom and a finger stall. <laughs> oh, God. You know? And, and oh, again, it's, 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 it's one of these, you know, could be embarrassing thing. You know, the, the young kids today, as we, as we like to say, you know, they're, they're pretty cool with all this stuff. But there's a range of things out there and, you know, there's issues like lubrication and sexual health and, and you know, disease avoidance and all those kind of things. We, and there's a whole section in the pharmacy and there's a range of products that probably didn't exist, you know, many, many years ago and more than happy to show them. Well, feeling kind of sporty. Yeah, a daily occurrence for me. Look, I, I, I know where you're going with this. You're going to say Dave Graney, aren't you? Yeah, Look, Dave Graney's one of these underrated, probably a lot of you have never heard of him. He, this is just a song that, again, I really love it. And I think it just, re- it's deserving of more airplay. And it's just another one of those get up and leap about, you know, idiosyncratic Australian songs. Feeling Kind of Sporty by Dave Graney. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station, To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. Bruce, I jumped up and put my runners on then because I was feeling kind of sporty and after this I might have to go, I don't know, for a swim or a run or something. Or or a good lie down perhaps. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, I was in a pharmacy the other day and I'm wondering if you can help me with this one Uh, and I overheard the pharmacist talking about sleep issues. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the most basic of things. It's, it's how your body restores, reprograms, resets and cements. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a healing thing. Your body releases hormones. It does all sorts of wonderful things. But you need to do it for long enough. And a lot of us aren't getting enough. Well, how bad do you feel when you have a crappy sleep? Exactly. You know, when you're 12, you just, you can go 24 hours and you just sleep in and make up for it the next day. You can't do that when you're our age. You can carry a deficit only so much, but it really affects your daytime functioning. Yeah, it does for me, you know, especially when I'm on a roll and I have to think a lot and I've got a huge day ahead of me and meeting people and it affects how I talk to them if I haven't had a good sleep. Oh, absolutely. It affects all your... Cognitive processes, your, your hormone levels, all sorts of things. But, of course, that's, you know, what we're talking about is almost like a, a symptom. There are severe consequences for a group of people for whom the way they sleep is a major issue. And those are people with what we call sleep apnea. Now, I've heard a lot about sleep apnea. And I know some people probably don't want to know that they have sleep apnea. However, it is great for their health if they can have it diagnosed. But why they don't want to know, because it's not sometimes, or in, and especially in the past, they have to sleep with a machine. Yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, I've had been described like that by some girlfriends in the past, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really unusual. Sorry. Yes. I think that's called advertising. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes. Most people, if they, if they sleep alone, they could well be aware, unaware that they have sleep apnea. But anybody who has a partner within, I don't know, three rooms will probably be well aware that their sleeping isn't as good as it can be. But they may not recognise the medical consequences. 
I suppose I should explain exactly what apnea is. You must explain because not everyone knows. So basically it's, it's when you stop breathing for a short period, possibly up to 10 seconds at a time. Now, you might be aware that breathing's kind of useful. It keeps you alive, it keeps oxygen in your bloodstream and if you think about how frequently you breathe, just count your breaths mm-hmm. and see how many breaths you wouldn't take in 10 seconds. Yeah. And then think, well... You know, if you go for a run, how quickly you get out of breath and how fast you have to breathe just to increase your oxygen levels, well, you might not be doing anything lying on your back, but that lack of oxygen has severe medical consequences. Such as? Well, I mean, forget the quality of life the next day, which was mentioned, you know, the the daytime function, the being physically tired and the mentally um, affected, but it massively increases your risk of things like heart attacks and strokes, your cardiovascular risk. It's a major health risk for, well, it tends to be the over 50s particularly that get it, but it can be much younger people. And for even the younger people, what are some of the issues that may cause sleep apnea? Well, there's a few that we can't quite pin down, but um, with referral to things we mentioned earlier, like BMI, like being overweight, yep, um, can be a contributor. Poor sleep, like alcohol consumption, can lead to snoring and and mm-hmm. uh, lack of sleep control. I mean, snoring's linked to neck girth. You know, for example, the the fatter your neck, the more likely you are to snore. Is that right? Yeah, it's just amazing. And you know what what's a contributor to neck girth? Take your hands down from your neck. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, what, what contributes to the size of your neck is probably the rest of your body as well. So all these things contribute. But, you know, there, there are things you can do to go some way to fixing that. Now, I want to talk to you why I mentioned this in pharmacy. How are pharmacies these days helping with that? Well, you know, there are a number of... Not every pharmacy can do this, but a number of them are licensed to actually perform a Medicare-funded check called... A home sleep test. Now, I want to ask about home sleep tests because there are such things as sleep labs. There are indeed sleep clinics where you basically take your teddy bear and your pyjamas and you go off and somebody hooks you up and they will observe everything you do during the night. And are the home sleep tests better? They're not better, but they do... They replicate much of the functioning minus the teddy Well, you can still use the teddy bear. <laughs> but they basically allow you to not have to travel and spend a night out of your own bed. And so you can do it yourself. So what the pharmacist will do, he will show you, give you the equipment, show you how to apply electrodes, a la Frankenstein. Yes. Um, show you what to do, give you the recording device, and you can do it at your own leisure, in your own time, in your own home, on your favourite pillow. And bring the results back and they will be professionally analysed to diagnose whether you do indeed have sleep apnea or whether you're just a bit of a terrible sleeper. So you go back to the pharmacist a few days later and the pharmacist says, yes, you do have sleep apnea. What's next? Have a chat to your GP because um, that's the kind of thing that your GP needs to know. But any pharmacy that that does the test will also have the devices and the breathing aids because it's really important to funnel oxygen into you while you're asleep for reasons I've mentioned and the these days they've again much improved devices they're not so you know they're, they're not quite so you know Hannibal Lecter and yet so I was going to mention Hannibal Lecter because you know that facial headgear that we associate yep. Hannibal Lecter 
sleep apnea equipment was yep. sort of fairly like that and cumbersome. Yep. But these days, what I see in a pharmacy, there's some fantastic small oh, yeah. devices. Oh, yeah, the wonderful soft um pliable silicon devices they're they're less of an imposition you still need a hose and you still need some kind of a pump but, but I've even seen that the hoses now don't come through on the front they come off the back so that they're less yeah, inhibiting less, when yeah, you yeah exactly sleep. they're less obtrusive they um you know you can hardly know you're wearing them a myriad harbor is that a song that you chose or have I just made that up I think you've just made that up well we're having it anyway welcome back You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. I'm speaking with Bruce, who's a local Northern Beaches pharmacist, and we're talking, I'm just going to say all things pharmacy, and just the importance of what a pharmacy and a pharmacist does and the importance they are in the community. The next thing I wanted to talk about was... um, you know, we go to the pharmacy, Bruce, and people, you know, most pharmacists dispense boxes of medication these days. Uh, when I was young, back in the 60s and Steam 70s, age, yes. yes, you, being a baby boomer, of course, pharmacists counted out pills yeah. and mixed creams. There's a resurgence or a revisiting. What's the word I'm looking for? That It's coming back. Tell us about it. Well, it's well and truly back. Um, when I was a boy... You know what? Yep. We're about two months apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I first started my career, one of the things that, that was a job that everybody did, you would make up creams and lotions and things. And, a bit and like cooking. A bit. It's exactly like if you can follow they a recipe. Have a, they could have a show, like yep. A, yep. A, a compounding show. Yep. The only thing missing is cracked pepper. <laughs> Or pig salt, <laughs> and it, you know it was a major part of our job. But it, but again, it was it was a fairly basic thing. Okay, you'd make up potions and lotions and things. But you know, I I can honestly say in my entire career, out after I left pharmacy school, I personally have never made a suppository. For example, I know I've never been called upon to do it. But can I take an example more germane to younger people? You know, there's something like. You know, 16 million women in Australia and only 10 formulations of oral contraceptive pills. You know, getting one that suits you can be quite difficult. You know, you have to fight around until you get one with, with the right balance of effect and side effect. Imagine if you could get your one tailor-made, just like that wonderful dress you're wearing that's obviously bespoke yes. you know, and expensive. Yes. Imagine if you could get your medication done the same way. Well, that's what compounding, really sophisticated level. It's gone on from what I know is just knocking up a cream. You know, they have got... Um, medications and techniques that weren't available and flavouring compounds and diluents and the technology to replicate just about anything. It's fantastic and and I even know of a couple of compounding pharmacists that actually make for animals. It will indeed, you know, like, mind you, you probably would also take your tablets better if they were steak flavoured. Oh, they can't do that though. But, you know, the joy of compounding is you can, um, if, if you can't tolerate something orally, they can formulate it for you as a cream. They can put ingredients that nobody makes commercially. If you try to get a child to swallow something that they don't like the taste of, you mm-hmm. know, it makes Linda Blair and the Exorcist look like an amateur. <laughs> you know, the stuff just comes back out. So, so they can actually... Pr- you have some of the best descriptions and analogies. I just, I could sit here and listen to you all day. <laughs> 
Well, they, um, well fortunately, there's a time limit. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank so, for that. yeah, they can formulate things in, in ways that just suit you as a person. You know, and, and, and say doctors who maybe um, deal in natural formulations or you know hormones or things can actually prescribe things for you and get them made up. You know, it's, they can pull something out of their head and say, I want you to have this, this and this, and a compounding pharmacy can go ahead and manufacture it and to really high manufacturing standards as well. And the, some of them, you know, it used to be only hospital pharmacies that could make sterile things. You know, an eye drop requires much stricter manufacturing standards than a cream that you're going to whack on your skin. But, you know, and these places, they're, they're scattered around you. I mean, you, you know, and if your local pharmacy doesn't do it themselves, they will know the nearest few that do. And I know some of them, and you can put your script in at the local pharmacy and have it <laughs> delivered back to Absolutely. your local pharmacy. Yep. And it's been made up by a compounding pharmacist who has a completely different set of skills. Right. At, yeah, it's a special, it's a speciality. And I know some of them even go overseas to learn this properly. Yeah, they can do. I mean, there's a lot of support structure for pharmacists to decide to go that way. It's a bit of a niche industry within yep. pharmacy, and it's a lot of people don't realise it exists. Yeah, I love it when I see a really good compounding pharmacy, and you see the staff out there in their whites and with yep. their sterile hats on, etc. Yep. Because it really is, you know, they're making medications that you're going to yep. consume, so every Everything has to be sterile and there's techniques about it and it's not just like a cake I'll add a pinch of salt and this and that yeah. it's all measured yep. and look and I've lost track of the number of times I've had somebody come in and say oh look I've been prescribed this but I really can't take gluten or I can't take lactose can you find me a brand that doesn't have glucose or lactose and I'll spend 20 minutes scouring through the product information of various products say look every single one of these things has got either lactose or gluten or some flavoring or coloring that you can't tolerate compounding pharmacy problem solved they can reformulate and there's your medication I want to play one more song for you highway one this is to me the waifs are the quintessential Australian band you know too many folk and country players you know they think that being Australian is rhyming ute with butte and blue with you know with rue Donna Simpson, the lead singer, to me, she just evokes a strike. Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. So, Bruce... Um, thanks for all your knowledge on pharmacy today, but we have one or two more things we just have to cover off on before we go. There's some new things that pharmacies are able to do now, especially if I come in and I'm sick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, pharmacists know their place. They're not medical diagnosis, but they are able to give you a, either a carer or a personal leave certificate for a good for a day. If the condition that you have that means you can't go into work is, is not so bad that you need to see a medical practitioner on your self-reporting, they can actually give you basically a medical certificate for a day if all the drugs you've been taking have made you sick, for example. That was a little joke, by the way. Yeah, and <clears throat> what can you do with the drugs that 
Well, make and then that's another thing, you know, it's, um, drugs are incredibly potent things, you know, you forget just how dangerous, you know, probably one of the biggest things that kills children is iron tablets, you know. The really? Things, oh yeah, that's nasty stuff if a child swallows it. You know, paracetamol's nasty if the wrong person swallows it. I mean, you know, swallow a battery and see what happens. Oh, they're, they're even worse. I've heard about that. Yeah, but if pharmacies have, there's a, a thing called a returned unwanted medicine scheme. So anything at all that you want to clean out of your cabinet or, you know, your medicine stack, throw it in a bag, bring it into your pharmacy, and they'll send it off to a high-temperature incinerator and get rid of it. Yeah, it's better off there than in your rubbish bin, yeah? Oh, yeah, don't leave it in your rubbish bin. I mean, even if your neighbourhood dog gets through it, they'll sprint it through the ground. It just takes one child to pick up one tablet. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming in today. Listeners, I hope you've um, learnt something like I have today because as far as ageing fearlessly goes, this is all important stuff that you need to know to live a healthy, wonderful, vitally active life. Thanks, Bruce. Oh, it's a pleasure. See you next time on the Ageing Fearlessly program. This is Karen. Bye. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, aging is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Live out our dreams This treasure that you've got to find Baby, don't be shy Let's go and take that ride Taste the sweet and the spice Everything nice Let your heart be alive Baby, just let your heart come alive Honey, let your heart be alive